we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. A new world order. Child sex trafficking. The deep state is trying to destroy Donald Trump's presidency. Loose the battle plans of heaven. It's all about control. Broadcasting live to the world now. It's the Weekend Vigilante, Sheila Zielinski. Today's program was made possible by the generous prayer and support of the faithful friends and partners of this ministry. Visit our new website at Sheila.media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this October 27th, 2017 edition. I hope everyone goes back in the archives and listens to the show I just did with Brother John Ramirez. I hope you are subscribed to my YouTube because it is just been uploaded there as well. It is called Former High-Level Satanic Priest Exposes Halloween's Dark Secret. I said to him, why are you shocked that Christian parents let their children celebrate Halloween? And he gave me his, his answer. And I believe it's incumbent upon all of us to listen to what he had to say. Third rank most powerful warlock in all of New York City, Pelemeombi, Santeria. This is actually the top black magic in all the world. This is heavy duty. This makes voodoo and hoodoo look like child's play. So I really encourage people to go back. Again, it is called Former High-Level Satanic Priest Exposes Halloween's Dark Secret. It is up there now on YouTube. Do go back and, and listen to that. Well, I'm really excited about today's show because I've wanted to have him on for quite a long time. He is a former NFL quarterback, and he really had an inside view of the NFL. At the time we're recording, it's so amazing. I just saw a headline, could Colin Kaepernick kill the NFL? collective bargaining agreement. <laughs> so much going on with the NFL. It is my pleasure to welcome in the flesh Mr. Mike Barella. Mike, it is a pleasure to welcome you to the program. Thank you for coming on, sir. Mike, tell folks about your background with the NFL. Hi, Sheila. It's great to be here. Well, I'll start with uh, I was a player rep in the first collective bargaining agreement, because since you just mentioned that uh, Colin has just filed a lawsuit to avoid the collective bargaining agreement. And I was a uh, all-American quarterback for Stanford University. I was a Pro Bowl quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, my second year, I threw two touchdowns in the Pro Bowl in the last eight minutes of the game to win the game by three points. I played NFL football for five years, and then I was reading the book of Genesis about Lot in Sodom, and I felt the Lord telling me the NFL football was Sodom. And as you know, Sodom is a place of death. It is a place of destruction. And the Lord told me to leave and not look back, even though I just had signed a huge four-year, multi-year contract because I was a free agent quarterback. So I left, did not talk to anybody because I knew if I talked to anybody, they'd say, you can't leave, you're making too much money. So I left. And for the next 35 years, I did not go to a Philadelphia Eagles football game, did not go to a Stanford football game. And I did not even go to my own high school football games, even though I lived 15 minutes from my high school. So that's a little bit about it. I became a playwright seven years ago. And then the Lord told me to 
write a play about my football experiences, even though I had not talked about it for 35 years, never talked to anybody about my football experiences. And I wrote a play called The Disappearing Quarterback. And I performed that 34 times to mostly sold out audiences in Philadelphia and in Denver. It was a one-man play. And now I'm a uh, playwright here in Castle Rock, Colorado, God's country, and just observing what is happening to the NFL psychopathic death trap. Well, isn't it stunning that just as we're recording today, Chris Borland blasts the NFL for hiding CTE risks. And really, he shocked the sports world when he left the NFL after his rookie season, saying that the long-term health risks of playing NFL are not worth it. You actually have went as far as to say they should be charged. I mean, we're talking about covering up facts of knowing that playing can lead to death. I think they should be put on trial for reckless endangerment of life. And yes, they should be put on trial. I think the Department of Justice should do a criminal investigation on the NFL. It's very basic three things. What they knew, when did they know it, and what they did to hide it. But I'm, I'm a former attorney. Uh, I did practice law for 15 years, and I'm a realistic guy. I know that they will never get charged anything here in the U.S. Yeah, there's no rule of law for these fat cap billionaire boys club. It always seems like they're above the rule of law. You know, one thing that really stunned me, and I came across a statistic, and it, it really shocked me, and I talked about this a little bit in my video, NFL Smackdown, which I've linked also there in the description. This was shocking to me that according to the NFL Players Association, the average career length is about 3.3 years. And what shocked me even more than that was the average life expectancy, the lifespan of a, an NFL player, 53 years, depending on the playing position. Significantly lower death rate than men in the general population. That is stunning. It, well, it is. And uh, the thing that's horrific, and I've tried to tell people this here in Castle Rock, but they don't want to hear it. It, it still is very clear, has been this way for 15, 20 years. The average career is three and a half years. It's been that way for, for decades. And the average lifespan is anywhere. It's tough to figure out exactly what it is between 52 and 55 years of age. So for every one year of NFL football that you play, it takes off on average seven years of your lifespan. It's a horrific, uh, uh, horrific situation. Absolutely. Well, and you know this, Mike, your body takes when you're playing in the NFL, you know, you're getting hit at those kind of velocities. I mean, your body takes a tremendous amount of punishment. I mean, it's just not natural for the body to get impacted like that. You know, it's stunning that CTE is found in 99% of studied brains from deceased NFL players. I mean, that alone is absolutely staggering. And yet I know as a mom whose son played college ball, you know, whenever you got hit like a freight train, it's just, you know, walk it off. No big deal. <laughs> Back in the day, they call the concussion getting dinged. Getting dinged. And I can still remember my Eagles running back coach inviting me into his office after I had had my third concussion. And he said, Mike, it's no big deal. You just got dinged. And, you know, Sheila, it's very interesting. In football, they use these tough warlike military terms like attack, blitz, the shotgun. But whenever you had a concussion, they made it sound like you just won big at bingo. They told you it wasn't a big deal. And God knows how many concussions I experienced. And about a month ago, I had my six-hour 
neuropsychologist exam, and I hope to get the report here in the next month. I think I'm doing pretty well, but most of my friends are completely destroyed. Uh, one of the quarterbacks I played ball with was Jim Plunkett. He was the Heisman Trophy winner at Stanford and most valuable player in the Super Bowl for the Oakland Raiders. He was interviewed in middle August by the San Jose Mercury, and the title of the article was, and this is totally Jim Plunkett, this is this the way he was. He was always so honest. The title of the article is, My Life Sucks. He explained how he's had over 20 football-related surgeries and he did not name them, but he is taking 12 different prescription medicines to try and stay afloat. Wow. And then the following week after reading that article, my quarterback friend named John Reeves, who I played ball with at Philadelphia, and who actually beat all of Jim Puckett's uh, NCAA passing records that Jim had set at Stanford. He'd set all the NCAA passing records. He beat them at the University of Florida. And we were in conversations, email conversations the week before, and he was so excited that he had been named one of the top 50 Cincinnati Bengals uh, players of all times. And then I read the following week uh, that he died in his sleep. He clearly had CTE, and he told me what he was going through, and he clearly will have CTE when the uh, researcher examines his brain here probably in the next two two months. And and I had only I had three concussions. And for you, that may seem like a lot, for but for us NFL football players, that's nothing. Plunkett had 10. God knows how many John Reeves had. But for me, I'm a healthy 66-year-old. I'm a playwright. I'm able to stand up on stage in Philadelphia in front of sold-out audiences and recite an 80-minute one-man play. So I'm in good shape, but most of the guys that I know are either dead or struggling in silence. Most of my friends never tell me how they're doing, and I usually hear it from uh, a close friend of his or when I get a, a phone call from his wife inviting me to uh, his last dinner party to say goodbye to everybody. You know, it seems crazy to me. You know, you spend your whole entire, probably your childhood, your youth, your young adult life playing football, trying to get to the pinnacle of success in your field. Of course, all young football players aspire to go to the NFL. And then it turns out that the average career is three and a half years. And on top of that, if you play longer than that, then guess what? Your average lifespan is is 53 years. It almost seems twisted that anyone would want to even watch this game, knowing the kind of punishment and death that is inevitable for all the players. So imagine yourself, you're a 20-year-old graduate from college. You never went to classes in college. You probably never even studied in high school. You were this incredibly gifted world-class athlete, even in high school. Sometimes guys like us are identified when we're in eighth grade, and uh, they put you in a different category. Fortunately for me, I was a scholar. I considered myself a Renaissance man, and I went to the top college prep high school west of the Mississippi, took four years of Latin, and went to one of the top universities on the planet, Stanford University, and was very serious about my studies. And so for me, uh, football was something to do that gave me a little break from my studies. But for most of the guys, it's their only way out. And what has happened here in football in the last decade is football has become a way out for the black Samoan, Hawaiian, and Hispanic world-class athletes. And today, I have read anywhere from 70 to 80% of the NFL players are black, Samoan, Hawaiian, or Hispanic. It's not a white sport anymore, except, of course, the white punters and the white field goal kickers. 
they live normal lifespans. Uh, I know there was a punter or a field goal kicker. He, he was playing ball until he was 42 years old. But the NFL players that play the, the deadly positions, their average lifespan is anywhere between 55 years of age and 52 years of age. I researched that two years ago because I was writing about it. And I tried to get Hawaiian players in the NFL, and I tried to get Samoan players in the NFL. And then I took out the two white non-football players, the non just to let you know, the white punters and the white field goal kickers in the NFL, we don't consider them football players. We never saw them. They practiced by themselves. They'd be in another field playing freeze tag while we were practicing on, on another field. So I took the, the white punters and the white field goal kickers off the equation, and I came up with, this was a couple years ago, these statistics were two or three years old. So about five years ago, I got between about 70 and 75% were black, Samoan, and Hawaiian. But I saw something recently that says, no, it's now 80%. It was some, some uh, report that said 80% were black. When you add in the Samoans and Hawaiians, I mean, every, every nose guard, you know, 350-pound nose guard is usually from the island of Tonga, you know. But, you know, what I've heard is in Green Bay, there's a senior sumo wrestling league that the NFL football fans are fattening up for so they could oh uh, wrestle each other. Wow. You know, when you really think about it, you don't typically see these big hulking white males in the NFL. No, they're just little geeky uh, punters and field goal kickers. And I think pretty much the quarterback's still, you know, primarily a, a white position for whatever reason. I have no idea why. But when you deal with the interior line, the really dangerous positions, offensive interior line, the defensive interior line, it's primarily a, a black Samoan, Hawaiian, and Hispanic sport. And that's why it's makes me uncomfortable to see these studies because these studies that show that 110 out of 111 dead former NFL players had CTE are really going to impact the black Samoan, Hawaiian, and Hispanic communities because these men are just superb men. They're, they're just leaders in their communities, and they're really going to be damaged. And it's one thing about you can do okay if you hurt your knee and get an artificial knee. And if you separate your shoulder or get an artificial hip, uh, you, can, you can go ahead and do well to your 60, 70, you know, whatever. And I have, to, I know guys who have had four artificial knees when the parts were up, but you hurt the brain and everything falls apart. And when you experience this brain damage, this CTE brain damage, it's horrific. It's terrifying. People want to know how terrifying it. They can read about Mike Webster's last few years uh, when he lost everything and was living in the backseat of his car and shocking himself with the uh, taser gun in order to fall asleep at night. So uh, you don't want to hurt your brain. You can get by with a, a bad knee or a bad shoulder or artificial hip, but uh, you don't want to hurt the brain. Well, and watching NFL hurts my brain. <laughs> does, does me too. I can't watch it. I can't even listen to the announcers. For some reason, when I listen to the announcers, it just offends me. I just, because they're always so giggly and happy and smiley, and the uh, shill NFL announcers and what is going on in the field is absolutely disgusting. Well, I said in a Facebook post, I hope the NFL becomes the 
my space of sports. And I have said this for years, Mike, that the NFL is the biggest globalist propaganda pushing machine. These New World Order bullies of the NFL bullying us into submission, kneeling or hiding when our national anthem is played, forcing us as a captive audience to witness their disrespecting, violent, salting, and uninformed view of what America stands for. It's a slap in the face to those men who bled and even died in the battlefield to protect the very blanket of freedom that these jokers enjoy. It's such an atrocity to me. It absolutely is. And why don't, if you're going to protest something, why don't you protest that CTE's been found in 99% of studied brains from deceased NFL players? Wouldn't that be a good protest? Well, actually, you know, I'm, I'm not in agreement. I don't think the way to protest is taking a knee during the national anthem. I have a better idea that I would like the NFL players to do. I, I really, truly believe that God has given them a hammer. If he wants them to use this hammer this season, quit NFL football and not look back and to never, ever go back. I really urge these black Samoan, Hawaiian, and Hispanic players to quit immediately, to walk into their locker room, clear out their locker, and walk out. They don't have to say anything. They don't owe anybody an explanation. Don't sit down and talk to Jerry Jones if you're a Dallas Cowboy. Don't sit down and talk to Bill Belichick if you're a New England Patriots. Just clean out your locker and walk out. Leave. Do not look back. And go back to your communities. Go back to your children. Your children, they don't care how much money you make. They just want a healthy dad. Your wives don't care about the money. I know these black guys. Their wives love them. Their children adore them. They need to leave immediately and not look back. The reason why this is so important now is the New York Times had a headlines article on July 26th. The title of the article was 110 out of 111 dead former NFL football players have horrific, deadly CTE brain damage. If they don't leave now, they're going to get CTE. And there's no promises that they don't have it already because Aaron Hernandez, who was 26 years old, when he hung himself in his jail cell, he had CTE. He was only 26. The researcher said it's the worst case of CTE she had ever seen for someone his age. And there were even high school kids and pre-high school kids who had CTE in this study. So I do believe strongly it's time to quit this psychopathic death trap and go back to your communities. You know, you mentioned something earlier I thought was really interesting, terms they use like blitz, formation. They use words like trenches, neutral zone, no man's land, red zones, suicide squads, bomb squads, end arounds. Like you said, shotgun. The parallels between combat in military and playing NFL football are eerily similar. And yet now we're learning that there's only two groups of people that get CTE football players and combat veterans. And, you know, we see report after report showing massive concussions and sub-concussions from explosive blasts and things of that nature. And it's said that even a single traumatic brain injury can cause long-term atrophy and neurodegeneration. I mean, that is absolutely stunning, the parallels here. 
Yeah, you're right. Tons of military guys. I just read something yesterday about the military. Is They had very few people die over in Iraq, but they have millions, they think, that have this traumatic brain damage. And I talked to a military friend of mine, and he says it's because the body armor was so good. In the past wars, it would have been the other way. You know, everybody would have died, but now they're alive, but they're now brain damaged just like the NFL football players. And most of the guys that I that I know have PTSD. And, and I do have post-traumatic stress disorder. I have been diagnosed with that. Uh, when I tried to write my one-man play, I couldn't remember anything about my football career. I only remembered four or five plays from my Philadelphia career. And my Stanford career was even worse. I was a two-year starter, and I think I can remember three plays. So I had to get a lot of guys of my friends, four of my friends that I played ball with, who told me stories of what happened and helped me write my one-man play. But most of us have PTSD, and it's really hard for us to really remember what happened. Well, it's interesting because just last month I read this headline, and people can look this up. In this new Boston research study, it said they found an increase in the amount of protein CCL11, which is a protein commonly associated with inflammation. So that's kind of a huge development that they may have found a way to identify CTE in living patients because prior to that, it's only been found in deceased brains. Right. And that's, I'm really glad you told me that because I wasn't aware of it because the only way they could diagnose it before was you had to die. You had to shoot yourself in the chest and uh, leave a suicide note to have them investigate your brain and they would investigate your brain after you killed yourself. And now what you're telling me is they may have a way to diagnose CTE while they're still alive. In that case, every single player in the NFL needs to be tested. Every single player in the NCAA and every single player in high school needs to be tested. And if they're over a certain level, they need to quit. They cannot play. So isn't that a great reason not to watch NFL? It's a, well, a player killing machine. That's a beautiful reason right there. Aside from the fact that it's the biggest, again, globalist propaganda machine. It promotes all these ungodly ideologies, anti-constitution, anti-American, anti-family certainly anti-Christian, anti-pro-Second Amendment. Just this week again, the NFL is back pushing gun control. How timely that we're recording the very day the 49ers are pledging 500000 to a gun control push. And Mike, now I can add on their anti-life. So add depopulation to that as well. I mean, there's another reason to boycott these idiots into oblivion. Yeah, you're right. And Sheila, actually, you know, I, I took a, a sabbatical for 35 years from the football culture, and I've only started studying it the last few years. I, I think that when the football is destroyed, that historians will start picking the NFL apart and will start disclosing everything that you have just said. I studied Rome for, for about 10 years when I was a young man, and every book about the collapse of Rome, and I do believe as the United States is collapsing, my God, Everybody hates each other here in the U.S. Obviously, everybody just hates everybody. And, you know, as you know, reading the Bible, that a house divided cannot stand. But when the NFL disappears, which is going to be soon, historians will write about the NFL and about the United States and how the NFL was and is the primary propaganda platform for the federal government. They are the primary propaganda platform for the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Marines. They wanted to get rid of the draft, so they recruited the NFL to advertise and to get all these 18-year-olds to join the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. 
It is ironic that you mentioned the Roman Empire because this is very reminiscent of the gladiators, isn't it? Exactly. It's exactly like the gladiators. And the same audience is exactly the same. The audience in Rome were big, <laughs> fat Romans, and now we are the biggest, fattest nation, not only in the world today, but in the history of the world. The average NFL fan, there are 84 million fanatical fans, according to uh, recent studies, watches 35 hours of TV a week, 20 hours they spend looking at their smart phone screens, and the latest study, which I know is hard to believe, but apparently it is true, seven-second concentration span, in the, which is the same as goldfish. So that's called the goldfish study. Wow. And uh, there is something damaging about watching violence. The Bible warns to never watch violence. And more importantly, in a couple spots it says, put your fingers in your ears and never listen to violence. And I never understood that. And then I started reading about my homies, the Russians, who four years ago did extensive studies on DNA. Okay? And what they found was that the double helix DNA, which is in every single cell in our body, is a fractal antenna. And it hears words and sounds. And so the people here in the United States who have been watching football Thursday night, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday night for 40 years, their DNA has heard all those, all those violent sounds. And I've noticed something different about the people here in Castle Rock. I live in, in Bronco Mania area. This place is just a rabid town for the Denver Broncos. And the people here actually take pride in calling themselves Bronco Maniacs. And when I started telling them that 110 out of 111 dead former NFL players have CTE, they all said the same thing. It's like they were brainwashed. And they would look at me and they go, they knew what they were getting into. Besides, they make a lot of money. And I just thought, where is your heart? Where is your human compassion? Well, the problem with it is, when you worship a psychopathic death trap idol like the, the NFL, you become like your idol. The Bible says that you become like your idol that you worship. And they just don't seem to really care. It has to humanize them. They care about their fantasy football team, and they care about if those guys get hurt. But the 110 out of 111 black, Samoan, Hawaiian, and Hispanic football players, they don't care. I'm telling you, it really bothers me. I, I just feel like, oh, where is your humanity? And it, it really disturbs me. And I'm just in a small town here in Colorado called Castle Rock. But God knows what it's like in Green Bay, Wisconsin, or in Oakland yeah. with the Oakland Raiders. And you know what I'm disturbed most of about Sheila is I love this country. But there was this French statesman named Tocqueville who 200 years wrote about, about the U.S. And he said, America is a great nation because it is a good nation. And if it ever stops being a good nation, it will no longer be a great nation. Mm. And I'm so sad, Sheila, because... I don't think we're a good nation anymore. I just don't see it. Uh, I just don't know what's going to happen in this country. But yes, it does disturb me that people have been desensitized to all this violence. And it shows up in how many, how many countries have we attacked in the last few years? And now McCain, Lindsey Graham, the, the warmongers, they want to attack Iran. And they also want to attack uh, North Korea. Uh, as far as I know, I think Russia is on their sites as well. I am disturbed about this country because uh, I love this country. Uh, I love this land, you know. 
God gave us to us. And if people cannot see a correlation, when you kick God out of society, they kicked him to the curb. The United States is number four in the world, in the top five countries with the highest total numbers of abortions. And don't even get me started on the mess the church is in. So it's pretty easy to see that this is not the United States of America that people once knew and loved. I, I don't recognize it. You know, I, I grew up in the Vietnam War era at Stanford, and I grew up in, you know, the hippie era. I, I kind of I am always been kind of a counterculture guy, but no, I don't recognize this place. It's, it's very sad. We used to be a great nation. You know, people say, well, Trump's going to make America great again, but I think it goes way beyond the White House and the courthouse. It has something to do with the church house. Again, a nation that once honored the Ten Commandments in the social and political arena now thumbs its nose at the Bible, the Constitution, and any other symbol of authority. I was thinking it's ironic that Tim Tebow was jeered and ostracized for kneeling in prayer in the end zone. Well, maybe it's time for these big leaguers, along with the rest of us, to take a knee for the right reason by thanking God for the bounties we enjoy here in the West, including the heartbeat in our chest. What does Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen say? There is nothing too hard for God. So while it looks really bleak and it looks really bad and it looks unrecognizable, I still believe that things can be turned around with our prayer. And that's why I think it's really important that we need to be praying for this nation harder than we've ever prayed before because God can turn it around and it starts with our prayers. Now, in the waning moments, Mike, I would love you to give the folks info on the disappearing quarterback, tell folks about the play and about the book. Well, I have two forms of it. I, I recorded it as an audio book, and I recorded all the the script that I performed uh, 34 times in Philadelphia and Denver. And you go to Amazon and download the audio book, The Disappearing Quarterback. And then I did an ex- extended version of it, a novella form, about 70 pages, with additional pictures of the people who I talk about in there called The Disappearing Quarterback. And you can go on Amazon and download it as a digital book that you can read. Excellent. And of course, I've got that link there in the description as well. I really appreciate, Mike, you taking the time out of your schedule to come and visit us on the show and weigh in on the NFL. Thank you so much, sir. Well, thank you for having me, Sheila. Folks, that was Mike Barella, NFL Football League quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Check out The Disappearing Quarterback. The audio book is available over there at Amazon. We've got it linked there in the description today. You just heard an NFL player today talk about the NFL being a psychotic death trap. But you know what? I think he's being too nice. You know what I think about football today? I think it's nothing more than a vehicle of blind consumerism and fervent globalist propaganda. It's become the iconic emulation of the idolatry of empty-headed American arcana, worshipped vicariously by sedentary, beer-guzzling, pizza-chomping, couch potatoes succumbing to the popular illusion. That's right, it's the epitome of masked male regression with loud, moronic, sterile sheep with a penchant for exonerable fits of testosterone mayhem. It's the penultimate fake male bravado that Americans eat up like armchair plebeians. I've been talking about it for 10 years about these whining, overpaid, disrespectful degenerates who spit on God 
who spit on their countrymen, men who bled to provide the blanket of freedom these degenerates enjoy? Uh Uh-uh. Like I said earlier, let's make them the MySpace of sports, because guess what? Even though those stadiums are half empty, I want to see them all empty. And those NFL players lined up at the unemployment line, maybe that's a place where they should start. It's shameful, it's disgusting, and the NFL is done, as far as I'm concerned. This is what I've always said about the NFL. No one would listen to me when I talked about it for years. It actually kind of feels good to get some redemption after 10 years of talking about all this stuff, being labeled as the reigning tinfoil hat kook. Every single thing I've been saying for 10 years is coming to pass. And it's kind of amazing that people are waking up and that people are coming around to it. It is really encouraging to me. Let's boycott these degenerates into oblivion. Who's with me on that? Don't buy their stuff. Tell your cable why you're canceling. Let them know and and let them know on social media. There is NFL on Twitter, NFL on Facebook. Let's let these globalist minions know exactly why we're not tuning in anymore. Make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube, you're following me on Twitter, and make sure that you like my Weekend Vigilante Facebook page. We'll see you again soon. Good night, and God bless.